Uh, and uh, <laughs> Kevin, I didn't know you were here. Oh my gosh, never been liable, <laughs> never been busted. He sounds way better, but that's he, he does, but he's a trained professional, <laughs> and I'm not. <laughs> you are all weirdos. Hello, weirdos. Hello, weirdos. Hello, weirdos. I'm Bailey. I'm Stan. I'm Thomas. And you are all weirdos. All right, this week, uh, we're going to have a very exciting uh, episode of Did You Get the Thing I Sent You? Very exciting bit that Thomas has brought for us. Uh, Before we get to that, uh, it is that time of year. This is what I like to call the fake holiday season. Uh, So we've gone through... The end of the calendar year, you have, you know, your your Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa-type holidays. Uh, but here we are. We are recording in the first week of uh, February here. And so there's a couple of belated holidays that I want to wish for those who celebrate. Uh, and yes. we've got a couple that are, uh, that are coming up. Uh, so first of all, uh, happy belated Groundhog Day, everybody. Um, Groundhog Day, you know, it's it is one of the greatest says spring's coming early, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I don't know about you guys, but um, uh, me and my wife, we every year on Groundhog Day actually watch the movie Groundhog Day. We've been doing it yeah. for, for years. Uh, I feel like that's a very solid tradition amongst many, many people. It, what amazes me is, uh, first of all, that movie came out 30 years ago, just so we can all feel old for a second. Oh. Um, but I know, I know. But it amazes me how the number of times I have watched Groundhog Day and I keep seeing like just new little things in that movie. Oh, yeah. You know? It's, it's, it's so well done. One of my favorite things is like you see actors before they get famous when they're younger in certain movies. So I love seeing young Michael Shannon in, in Groundhog Day, uh, which, yeah, he's if you remember the married couple that's kind of having cold feet, he's the, the young man who uh, who gets oh. married. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And Bill Murray puts him over the top. Uh, and of course, uh, shout out to the legendary character actor Stephen Tobolowsky for his uh, character, Ned Ryerson. Needle nose Ned, of Ned course. the head. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Good old, um, good old Toblowski, always solid. Absolutely. One of the things that I was thinking about with, with the movie Groundhog Day, I read an article where they literally tried to figure out how much actual time did Bill Murray, was Phil Connors trapped in Groundhog Day over and over again. Uh, and I've right. read everything from like minimum, uh, anywhere from like 30 years to as many as 200 years that he may have actually been doing that. And when you think about it, like, you know, in order to get good at playing the piano at that level, you know, they say it takes 10,000 hours to become a master of anything, you know, mm-hmm. and he's doing that on a daily basis and learning ice sculpting and learning all the details about everybody in there. And the number of times that like you've seen the same things happen so you can time it, like when he goes and just takes the bag out of the back of the armored car 
and stuff like that. Or he knows that this car is going to break down and he's already there with the jack and the tire. You know, mm-hmm. I think that there is something to be said for Groundhog being a great uh, example of what we do when we are exceptionally bored and there's no consequences at all. Yeah, well, I mean, really think about that. I mean, the other thing that the movie you should we we should give the movie credit for is it essentially like created a whole genre of of media too, right? Like, there's yeah. all these like movies that are like, oh, well, it's Groundhog's Day with this, and it's Groundhog's Day yeah. with that. Um, which is Russian Doll impressive. being a great example of that. Yeah, Russian Doll is amazing, and it's even gotten to the point where it's like every time she wakes up. Uh, my husband and I will go, just put your little hand in mine. Like every time it resets. Ah! Uh, <laughs> put on your booties. It's cold out there. Exactly. <laughs> um, what was the other one? Um, Happy Death Day, I think, was a cheesy. I never saw that. Uh, so oh, stupid. it's so bad. It's so great. It's so bad. It's <laughs> such an entertaining, awful movie. Yes. <laughs> one of the things that really is, I think, one of the biggest question marks about a character in Groundhog Day, Andy McDowell always orders a sweet vermouth with a twist. Who in the hell drinks that? Do you Wait, know anybody? Vermouth by itself is awful. <laughs> yeah. Sweet vermouth with a twist. What psychopath orders that? I mean, I think there's possibly a very darker underside to the Andy McDowell character that we never get properly explored. You know, like she's she's all too serious and drinks to world peace, which means she's making up for something there. I I just feel like, you know, (laughs) that's in the sequel. Yeah, exactly. Groundhog Day all over again. (laughs) Exactly. Groundhog's Day the next year. You know, they've been trying (laughs) to make that movie for years. Groundhog Day morning never comes. This year, we're supposed to get the sequel to Beetlejuice, and there's a few other of those, like, you know, late 80s, early 90s movie sequels that are dropping. Um, So don't rule it out. We might get get the official sequel, finally, maybe. (laughs) But, like, that's all... uh, (laughs) I mean, I feel like we're going to get off topic if I start talking stupid sequels, because I... I gotta tell you, I I am just not. (laughs) I am just not excited about the Beetlejuice sequel. I'm so tired of. Just make something new, Hollywood, please. It's been too long. That's the problem. It's been too long. Yeah. You guys don't want to see what Michael Keaton's got. I mean, look, I love Michael Keaton, but let him do like another something he wants to do. You know what I mean? Like, let him do another. You don't think he wants to do Beetlejuice again? I mean, maybe he wants he that does. Beetlejuice paycheck. That's what I'm worried about: is that he needs that Beetlejuice money I, more so dude. than he wants to do Beetlejuice. That's just my opinion. First keep of getting all, them checks, Michael okay. Keaton. Okay. <laughs> First of all, keep getting them checks, Michael Keaton. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yes, and you cannot tell me that he didn't have such a blast with that movie. He, you cannot tell me he doesn't know that the sequel should have happened ages ago. And you cannot tell me that he's not going to approach the entertainment aspect of the sequel with all of that in mind. If he doesn't give well, a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge to directly to the camera at least once, mm-hmm. probably three times throughout that movie, there will be several Beetlejuice, moments. Beetlejuice. 
Yeah. <laughs> there will be several moments where Michael Keaton will make some snide remark uh, as Beetlejuice, where it's like, oh, I guess my my I guess my briefcase cell phone isn't as uh, cutting edge as it once was. <laughs> you that know, is the I, most I, I wanna... random thing. Sorry, go ahead, Bailey. So, so there was going to be a Beetlejuice sequel that was supposed to come out in like 1992, and it was called Beetlejuice Goes yep. Hawaiian. And they had yep. started shooting it, and then it got shut down, and we still kind of don't understand exactly why. Uh, but I, I would be very disappointed if they have Fighting this sequel actors. to Beetlejuice, and there's nothing Hawaiian at all. There's got to be a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You know, that'll be one of the flowers around the neck, you get laid, kind of a thing. Yeah, yep, that'll be one of the three. Yeah. <laughs> he just randomly like the, the you know what'll happen gosh you know what I want to happen is somehow he ends up in that waiting room again and the woman behind the the, the, the desk is like just take just returned from vacation from Hawaii that would be the wink wink nudge nudge yes that'd be cute that is quality that's a quality <laughs> pick I like that um <clears throat> And then, like, the dude well, who just got run over by a car comes through, and he also has a lay. Hell yeah. <laughs> ah! That'd be cute. Will they have Alec Baldwin in a Hawaiian shirt? Come on. I, is Alec Baldwin... Uh, I don't think Alec Baldwin's coming back. He, I, I doubt he is, I, but he's still a big part of the first film. Oh, yeah. I'm sure one of us could have looked this up, uh, but if we didn't just so happen upon it so abruptly well, in this I random conversation that started th- at Groundhog Day, the <laughs> the uh, the holiday. <laughs> that being said, I'm also looking forward to the sequel to Beverly Hills Cop. So I, I cannot judge. <laughs> oh, I cannot dude. judge them for making the Beetlejuice wait, sequel because I need to see. I need more Beverly Hills Cop <laughs> movies with Eddie Murphy. Oh my god. Okay. Wait. Have I ever? I told hope he you? gets to go back to the Playboy Mansion, but in this era. <laughs> Is the Playboy Mansion even a thing? It still exists. Yeah, he, it's a piece of real okay. estate. It still exists. It's okay. there. It's still... I mean, by now, the grottos run dry, but... <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. So, wait. Have I ever told you uh, my Beverly Hills cop story? So, if it you guys involves know, meeting Eddie Murphy, shame on you for not telling me sooner. And also, it does not involve meeting Eddie Murphy. No, I've never oh. met right, Eddie Murphy. Good, good. I'm not going to name. I can't name drop it that one. Okay, go on. But go what on. I can do is this. Okay, so you guys know that uh, in my uh, life, I've worked a bunch of music festivals. Okay, and we used to do uh, a music festival where uh, it was, you know, it was a multi-day festival. So we would actually, as the crew, we would bring tents and camp out and the whole thing. So we were like camping out and working the festival. And the first couple of years we were doing it, they had us camping kind of amongst the general public. We kind of had our own campsite. Um, but this is like a kind of a hippy-dippy music festival. And people in their campsites, that's where the real party is, right? Um, but people would bring uh, musical instruments and play them at all hours in their uh, respective campsites. But one morning, I am in my tent. I have worked all night. I think I put in 20 hours the previous day. And then I hear just this out of nowhere, somebody brought a tuba to their campsite, a tuba. And next Rude. thing I hear is Rude. this tuba. 
And it gets worse. Rude. I, I, I am awoken by a serenade of a tuba going And then somebody brought steel drums to duet with the tuba. So it's So that I woke up to the loudest versions of all instruments I could find. And let's let's go to the let's go to the festival for that. Yeah, and least convenient to travel with, by the way. Like how easy Super yeah. I don't know. I, the accordion is up there for least convenient travel instrument, but or a drum uh, kit, but yeah. Drum yeah. kit, I would say, more than accordion. Accordions at least come with a case. <laughs> you know, honestly, like just uh, the, the tuba and steel drum duet of the Beverly Hills Cop theme is something I, I woke up to that and, I, and in a Ugh. strange tent under some strange trees. Uh, and so that's something you just don't forget in life. Um, but that's that. Whenever I hear of Beverly Hills Cop, I always, always think of that. Um, the other thing I just want to say, uh, Thomas, rough. the new Beverly Hills Cop movie that's coming out, uh, Beverly Hills Cop Three is a travesty. Beverly Hills Cop Three is awful. Beverly Hills Cop Three was shot at Great America, and it's like the least fun you've what ever had at Great America. Yes, Wonder World is Great America. I, I, for those who are maybe not in the Bay Area, Great America is like the big theme park in the Bay Area. Uh, it's next to uh, um, where the Niners play, uh, Levi Stadium. Uh, I want to be abundantly clear with you right now, Bales. Tell me. You're not wrong about Beverly Hills Cop 3. Um, <laughs> He's agreeing with me. Off. That being said, it was still entertaining. And I still enjoyed the buddy cop of it. It might be the one that I have watched the least for good reason. But I'm hoping. I don't know. I, I am optimistic about what number four will have to offer. Hey, we've all grown. Okay? <laughs> you, know, you know, Thomas, I'm just going to say this <laughs> with all due respect. Given what's coming up later in the show with the did you get the thing I sent you, I'm questioning what you consider quality entertainment. <laughs> I'm just I'm just leaving it at that. We're going to save it for the next segment, but um, you suspect is what I'm saying. Oh. I accept that. I accept that. <laughs> yeah. All right. um, I, I got to tell you, though, your, your tuba thing, fun fact, the, the best concert I have ever been to live like my top two concerts are the two time I saw two times I've seen the Roots live. They're okay. absolutely incredible. They have such a great ensemble of musicians. Um, everybody knows like Questlove on drums, but they have a second drummer with a full set, and like they have hand drums, a couple pianists, a couple guitarists, several horn players. And they allow the tuba player to get a solo. And I, I got to tell you, like, every part of the show is amazing, amazing including the tuba solo. If anybody's going to so, make nice. a tuba sound good, it's going to be the roots. Yeah. I, you're not that, or, re that you're or Rebirth Brass amazing. Band. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually worked, you know, I worked a roots show one time. Um, and it was actually nice. an event that was sponsored by a tobacco company. And there oh. were like promotional things for a tobacco. You are company. old. Yeah. No, well, dude, they were. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. And this is the thing that makes you feel kind of dirty. They they brought in the roots. 
uh, and they were specifically trying to target, and, and I quote, the urban demographic. I'm not even were. making that up. Like, yeah, it just, no, you it don't felt have to make that up. That sounds on brand for... Listen, we've all seen Thank yeah. You for Smoking. That sounds very on brand. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. What were they... Were they... They just have posters, or were they giving away, like, material? Like They can't give away... You can't legally uh, give away tobacco, but they had all kinds of, like, promotional stuff, you know, and, like camel, and things like that. Camel bucks? Yeah, I, I don't want to name the brand or anything like that. I'll say it wasn't camel, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, that, that is kind of the idea. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, more fake holidays, right? So let's get back to that for a second here. Okay. Oh my gosh. He remembered what we were talking about. (laughs) I know it's, it's hard with this brain of mine. It really is. Okay. So we are recording. Uh, this is going to come out a couple days after we record, but today is, uh, we were recording on Sunday, February 4th. Uh, today's date is 2-4-24. It's a once in a hundred year uh, kind of a thing. And of course, being here in San Francisco, if you're a Giants fan, the number 24 has very significant meaning. So they officially declared, our mayor declared today, Willie Mays Day in San Francisco. So say hey, weirdos. Say hey. Hey. Say hey. Best of all time. Happy, Listen, the happy term, May's Day. The term greatest of all time gets thrown around very loosely in our society, uh, the GOAT. But for me, I I just, as a baseball person, I think it's unquestionable that the best all-around player of all time was Willie Mays. Uh, and Willie he's Mays ours. He's a Stanford, abs- oh, God. Speaking of unnecessary sequels, we could talk about Major League Two. Uh, but <laughs> Whoa. Hey, you said Willie Mays Hayes. You brought it up. You're just coming for the jugular on some awesome <laughs> franchises that deserve to come back. Come back, Major League. I'm, hey, look, I'm look, looking forward to there's, seeing oh, you. Oh, there's Beverly still lifeblood in Major League. Are you kidding me? Let, oh my god. Why he, not? Why not, Beetlejuice? <laughs> See, Beetlejuice you know never Air had Bud. a sequel. Fucking Airbud, bring back Airbud. There's, There's nothing, nothing in the, the rules, rules that says a dog can't play basketball. There's exactly. nothing in the rules that says a dog can't run for president. There's nothing right? in the rules that says a dog can't host a podcast. Exactly. <laughs> Are you gonna have your dog on the pod? Is that what you're saying? Is this about no, to come no. up? No. Actually, so. Before, I tell you what, so before we started recording today, my daughter presented the idea that we should have a full episode where the three of us just shut up and we just mic up all our respective cats and let the cats do the talking and that's going to be the whole episode. Uh, I, so I don't know weird. who the audience is for that, but, you know, it, it, people who You'd want to You'd be surprised how crazy... Listeners, do y'all want that? I feel like y'all would prefer that as well. I, I, I feel like we provide a lot of crazy cat masses. content to begin with, but... Follow I mean, us on okay. Instagram if you want to check out some crazy cat content. You are That's true. And thank you for podcasts. posting those Yeah, we do have some cat content on, on the Insta, which is URL Weirdos Podcast on Instagram. But um, Benny is a cat. Yeah, that's like. That's a song we sing, sing to him quite often. Oh, uh, the other one is uh, 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 Angelica, Eliza, and Benny. <laughs> yes! Yes, that's 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 divine. All right, no notes, perfect. Thank you. Uh, as far as other sort of fake holidays, uh, I do want to wish a a belated uh, for those who celebrate. I want to wish a happy Royal Rumble Day. 
uh, for those who celebrate. Uh, I celebrated with great revelry last weekend. You know it. You know it. The, and I, I tell you, the Royal Rumble, for me, as a fan of professional wrestling, a lifelong pro wrestling fan, I think the Royal Rumble match is the greatest match in wrestling. It is the one time where I don't care who's in it. I'm just going to go ahead and watch it because it comes around once a year. It's, for me, one of the most entertaining things WWE does, and they've been doing it for 30-something years. I'm Royal Rumble Orthodox, so I celebrate it differently. (laughs) Uh, So, and I do think, uh, just real quick, uh, in discussing the Royal Rumble, it's... For the wrestling fans out there, this is, uh, it's a tough week right now. It really is, because so many great and exciting things are happening in the world of of professional wrestling, not just WWE. We had a great Royal Rumble. They have the Netflix deal, which is, I think, kind of exciting that they're getting, I mean, $5 billion from Netflix to air Monday Night Raw uh, for the next 10 years. Yeah, $5 (laughs) billion with a B. It's a 10-year deal starting next year in 2025. Uh, where Monday Night Raw, as as WWE likes to remind us, the longest episodic, the longest running episodic uh, TV show in history, uh, is moving to Netflix uh, for ten years, and it's a boatload of money uh, coming into them. Half um, we've a got... billion dollars a year. That's exactly that's insanity to me. Like it's well, it's no. ten million dollars a week. Think of it that way. It's ten million dollar you know a week. Uh, to air that show. That, that's incredible. That's incredible. If y'all uh, are hiring. Seriously. <laughs> you people have too much money. I well, that, and that's the thing. You, on the subject of WWE hiring, right now, uh, wrestling fans are on free agency watch for a couple of big names. Um, Alexia, this is a name you you will know or recognize because you probably know her from The Mandalorian. Uh, Sasha Banks is a free agent and is probably going to sign with either come back to WWE or, as many speculate, she may end up on AEW this Wednesday. Uh, so we'll Didn't we'll see what's happening canceled? there. Wasn't she no. like an anti-vaxxer and got canceled? Uh, she did post some questionable things. It wasn't a full-blown anti-vax thing it was kind of vague what she posted um but she you know walked out of wwe about a year and a half ago uh went over to wrestle in japan uh Mm -hmm. had an injury uh and is now her contract is up in japan and it's kind of a bidding war for her um and then the other the other big name that's out there is the biggest star in japanese wrestling uh, so the biggest star of New Japan Pro Wrestling, his name is Okada. He is coming to the U.S. We don't know who's going to win the bidding war to sign him. But that's the exciting thing for fans about having more than one viable company that can bring in a big name free agent. So hmm. you get those elements of sports with the free agency. You get the business element of live events. Uh, and you get, the uh, obviously, the entertainment and soap opera quality. And, you know, so there's... Again, it, it appeals to my brain on so many levels. So many um, but, levels. But, just, but despite all the great things that are happening, and The Rock is back. The Rock is back, and The Rock is apparently going to wrestle at WrestleMania against Roman Reigns. At, at least that's what it's really? looking like as of right. Yep, yep. Good so Dwayne him. Johnson 
Well, what happened this week is Dwayne Johnson is now on the board of, of TKO Group, the company that now is the parent company of WWE. Um, mm-hmm. They signed over the copyright to The Rock to him. So WWE no longer owns the uh, license to The Rock. Dwayne now has that uh, on his own. Um, hey, but, all right. Which is great for him. But the thing that is hanging over all of this this week for wrestling fans is, of course, uh, the lawsuit and the allegations against Vince McMahon. And it's it, you can't not talk about it uh, with if you're going to talk about wrestling right now. Because, I mean, Vince McMahon is, is the name that has created modern pro wrestling. You know, he is the icon of the business. He is in some ways, especially right now, kind of a pariah of the business because of his um, exploits. Um, and listen, there's plenty of other podcasts out there that can get into kind of the sordid details of everything that is in this lawsuit. But for those that aren't aware, uh, Vince McMahon uh, was weaponizing a non-disclosure agreement uh, on a former WWE employee to buy her silence. Uh, she is alleging that she is the victim of sexual assault and human trafficking at the hands of Vince McMahon. There's a lot of details that have come out in the lawsuit. Uh, the only named uh, WWE officials in here are Vince McMahon and John Laurinaitis, who, by the way, I don't think we're ever going to see John Laurinaitis on WWE TV ever again. Uh, but there's insinuations, although he's not named in the suit. Uh, mm-hmm. Brock Lesnar, WWE superstar, is inferred to be someone who participated in this. And four unnamed WWE executives who are sort of unnamed co-conspirators in all of this. Hmm. Um, the details that are in the suit, go ahead, it's gross. I do believe that John Laurinaitis was named in the suit, and he and his lawyer have claimed to be victims um, and uh, coerced in that behavior. They're saying, you know, oh, look at poor what babies, has been... you're so victimized. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. He... <laughs> I could believe that as a pro wrestling plot line, but the fact that it's going to be a legal strategy in a court of law is just ridiculous. He's a sleazeball. Like, he played a sleazeball, and he is a sleazeball. I wouldn't mind him going to jail for a very long time. No. All right, let's talk about... All right. Uh, yeah, something let's, more fun. let's move on from the Royal Rumble. All right, so let's get into. Uh, so we we move on though to America's favorite fake holiday. Uh, as we know, this week when this airs uh, will be just before uh, the upcoming Super Bowl between uh, the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, now, a lot of people have made the case that the Monday after Super Bowl Sunday should just be a national holiday and a day off of work. Call it, call it, you know, uh, hangover day, if you will. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, some people really take their Super Bowl parties to another level. Um, and I think it's interesting because Thomas is, of course, a, a diehard football fan. I'm a, I'm a former football fan. Stan, you're not a sports person. Uh, not really. So I'm curious, have you ever been to a Super Bowl party or what does Super Bowl Sunday oh, look like? Yeah, I what fucking Super love Sunday Super Bowl like? parties. That's the thing. Nice. It's like, I'll throw down. Like, there was one year we were uh, having a party at uh, our local bar, and I came prepared with a uh, little meat pies, little buffalo chicken meat pies. Man, Ooh. that shit's fun. And we also Heck always yeah. played. We also always played um, uh, uh, Super Bowl bingo. Yeah, the squares. Yeah, with just squares and like, yeah, you just try to. There, there are. 
you know, if you get enough people involved, there are there are plenty of times where it's like you you watch the entertainment and the commercials. Really, I mean, that's always fun to check out the new commercials. Um, yeah, no, the yeah, the, there's there's definitely a draw for people who don't care about football to still yeah. tune in and, and pay attention yeah. to it for sure. Because that shit gets um, weird too. Those those commercials can get real bizarre. <laughs> there's always one commercial that is just a massive swing and a miss. There's always one commercial where you're like, oh, you guys wasted your money on this, right? You know? Right. So that's Absolutely. yeah, that's what we usually I usually end up uh, enjoying. But um, you 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 guys talk more about stuff. I'm also happy that the 49ers are in the uh, Super Bowl because that's the team I grew up with. Okay. Sure, sure. No, I, yeah, no one on this pod is unhappy about the 49ers being in the Super Bowl. That's for sure. Oh, I did have a question, though. Um, so everybody's talking about um, uh, if the Chiefs win, then that's a win for Biden. So if the Niners win, does that mean Trump wins? How does that become a win for Biden if the Chiefs win? I, I don't I, quite get that. Because, like, there's this whole conspiracy that, like, Taylor Swift started dating the guy because uh, at the Super Bowl, uh, she's going to endorse Biden. And it's this whole fucking rabbit hole conspiracy thing. I'm just like, wait, wait, wait. How did how did uh, San Francisco team become pro-Trump all of a sudden? I don't know. No, it's it's that there's desperate misogynists who should not be platformed who are looking for any excuse to hate the most famous woman in the world. Ah, got it. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Thomas, do you have any thoughts on uh, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelce? <laughs> I think it's hilarious how much it gets airtime. Like, it's it's hilarious to me because I have friends who don't care about sports who now would like to send me football memes because they're Taylor Swift memes. So it's interesting to see, like, the reach that Taylor Swift seems to have, and it and it's interesting to watch as a football fan. Uh, it's interesting to watch how the NFL totally takes advantage of the opportunity mm-hmm. to to like have that extra eyes on them, uh, on the brand, and extra money coming in by way of you know the Chiefs right now with with Travis Kelsey being on the Chiefs, but. Um, <laughs> Whatever you want to do, like it's 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 a it's a game. It's a fun game. It's an exciting game. The Super Bowl has been built over ritual and routine for years beyond any of us, uh, you know, <laughs> and will live outlive all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so may the best Niners win. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that that I we're such a celebrity obsessed culture, right? Um, for sure, but for sure. With that, I, I as a former football fan, I kind of love the relevancy that Taylor Swift is bringing the NFL right now. <laughs> I mean, that's you know that's my take on it. But uh, I think there's something Bale, to be said about you. Yeah, you went on a whole tirade on an episode while I was out on the road. Uh, yep, crapping on football. Without <laughs> yep, that's uh, episode three for our listeners who want to go back. But yeah, episode three. Yep, you had that conversation without me being involved. I I, I ask you this right now as we're recording. Sure. Was that on purpose? No, no, it, it came up as part of it. 
Okay, follow-up question. How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? I'm sorry. I should have said it this way. How dare you? (laughs) There you go. How dare you? Well... I'll I'll throw into that. Y'all started talking Red Dead without me, so booyah! How oh dare yeah, you? but we <laughs> that's that's a fair point. But, that's a fair point. But we did talk about how we needed you to be a part of a uh, an extensive conversation that's on fair. that particular topic. Right. <laughs> Bales didn't even bring me up. He's talking football. Oh. Should do it, Meryl. Well, I enjoyed the episode though. You guys, uh, listeners, if you didn't listen to the episode, you're pretty good without me. All right. Shut up, Thomas. We we love you. Yeah, of course. No, we do, it's man. good without me. I enjoyed the episode. <laughs> Calm down, Jesus. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, um, back on topic. <laughs> Bales made it seem as if football, and he was focused on the NFL, but he was making generalizations about the sport, and frankly, uh, generalizations about the fans of the sport. Um. That being said, the NFL has is is corporate money, and the yeah. NFL acts like a corporation, and mm-hmm. we can agree on that. Uh, that being and said, the NFL like doesn't the pay product. taxes. Yeah, it doesn't. That part, that part is, that part is not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The NFL has a multi-billion-dollar TV okay. contract, but they're considered a non-profit, so they don't pay taxes. God damn it, guys. God damn no, no, it. No. Just, it's, it's they pay taxes through their nonprofits. That's the verbiage. Uh, and possibly true. Nonprofit, my ass. Yeah. Sorry. That, that's splitting hairs. <laughs> yeah. It, it's it's uh, billionaire corporate welfare at its finest. Yeah. Bless the players and the coaches who are the part of the game that I get to watch for. I, I have a really awful thing to say, so we might have to cut this, but I had a friend who was uh, who would always say uh, the NFL is uh, just the... It's the last vestige of white men being able to own black men. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll follow up on that. I had someone... A couple people say this, and it's stuck in my head, and I haven't been able to like unvisualize it since. But the NFL draft combine is essentially the modern day slave auction where you've got, you know, white billionaires making impactful business decisions based on the bodies of people of color. And I know that's a gross generalization because it's not like it's, you know, there is one NFL team that is not owned by white people. Uh, That's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, And of course, not all NFL players are people of color, but right. There's two teams because uh, Green Bay is publicly traded. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. You're right. Okay. Uh, and the billionaires pay people to participate in the behavior that you guys are utilizing the trope for. While I don't disagree that the trope is accurate and applicable, um, they don't say that about the baseball combine, which also exists. They don't say mm-hmm. it about NBA workouts, uh, draft, pre-draft workouts, which exist. They don't talk about it in relation to college tryouts in sports, and it's the same thing. So there's something about 
the particular gladiator sport coupled with the corporation uh, uh, mm-hmm. of the NFL and also to that end college uh, sports with the NCAA doing what it does there's just these like dark clouds that linger over the top representations of the sport that then make it into more of these tropes right but to your point also um with the with the baseball i mean they're not getting injured as often i mean there are injuries obviously in the nba and the uh nbl but like not head trauma as much as is not being did you just call it the nbl (laughs) and national baseball league isn't it mlb major league baseball Major League Baseball. Okay, I'm sorry. It's she okay. Took, she it's took okay. her. She she took her swing. I, I exactly. <laughs> nice swing nice. and a miss, baby. Swing and a miss. It's all right. We threw you a curveball. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> this is why um, I don't report on sports, guys. Okay. The, That's all right. The 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 issue is is that people have to learn uh, at a speed that is like keeping up with the generations like corporations you we expect the corporations all to be like cutting edge and so like to that point you expect the sports uh agencies and everybody at that with all of that money to Mm -hmm. remain cutting edge but the reality is is some of these motherfuckers ain't even thinking about that shit until it becomes a story and when it becomes a story then they start working on it and it is a very difficult thing to come to a satisfying conclusion that uh for like public consumption that doesn't involve like you know oh something happened we're just not going to let this player play again like there has to be and, and there's so many i mean anybody who's played a sport with at a competitive level like you just get competitive and you think you're good so you want to go back in there and and so it's a tough job for the league to make sure that they have the right doctors in the right places at the right moments for Mm -hmm. the players i think that they've all like on the nba on the nfl level there's a there's a couple doctors on the sideline that don't work for teams uh, mm-hmm. That are liter- legitimately just hired to look for signs of concussions, look mm-hmm. for uh, you know I- uh, impact that could potentially lead to head trauma. They are they are hired to just look out for head injuries, and that's a result of the you know media pressure and the old play- older players. Um, learning more as modern medicine has advanced and more mm-hmm. of that like has become under more of the damage that they took and inflicted is understood we're also getting the players the, 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 that um, are at that retirement level now that you know played in an era where maybe hormones were involved and mm-hmm. like extra extra um, assistance with getting through games as happened in baseball and other sport yeah. you know so oh, yeah. I just I just think that um, sports ends up being a good example of how things are going societally and there is different levels of community uh, that come with different opinions on how things are going and most of us have like NBA style views and thoughts but 
a lot of the world has NFL style. Like, like a lot of this country mm-hmm. has, a, like, a lot of Middle America has NFL style views where they're mm-hmm. just now getting to the point where they're like, all right, so concussions are bad. We get it now. <laughs> we finally figured it out. <laughs> hey. <laughs> well, and it's interesting that you say um, sports being sort of like a metaphor for society, because I've always felt that way. Um, and I think one of the things, and this 100%. is true, and to your point, it's true in both. I'm going to use baseball and football as examples here, because one of the things that I mentioned uh, in that previous episode was the things that the NFL expects you to overlook as sort of the price of fandom. Right, uh, and the performance-enhancing drugs. I didn't get into that in that episode, but you're 100% right about that, and that certainly applies in baseball. I mean, all Giants fans are somewhat compromised because of Barry Bonds. We all sort mm-hmm. of admit that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I think the the thing for me with the NFL in terms of, I think there is a societal thing that gets outside of sports, which is. You know, you really want, you know, your team or your political party or your candidate or your whatever to, to quote unquote, win, right? And what are you willing to overlook because it's your guy? But if anybody else is doing it, it's shame on them. But when it's your, Mm -hmm. you know, and and, and that's, you know, ask any New England's Patriots fan, right? How they feel about that. Um, Thomas, one of the things I really did want to ask you about just football fandom, because you and I, I don't think we've ever talked about this, because obviously we were, you know, we, we were Ooh, in fantasy we're football getting into it, guys. together. You know, I mean, we, <laughs> you knew me when I was a football fan. Yep. I yep. want to ask you, one of the things that really bothered me about the NFL and was one of, because it was, it took a while to get me to stop watching, but one of the <laughs> things that really was upsetting to me was not just what happened with Michael Vick and letting Michael Vick back in the league. Um, But then getting to the point where Michael Vick got a hundred million dollar contract to play in the NFL. And for me, it was, that was a statement of values uh, by the NFL and by the Philadelphia Eagles organization, to be fair. Um, But it bothers me that Michael Vick can get a hundred million dollar contract, but Colin Kaepernick couldn't get a job. That, to me, that's something I've really had trouble reconciling, and I'm wondering how you feel about that. Uh, first of all, hostile question. Uh, <laughs> hostile sport, second, to be fair. Yeah, I'm not, not going to run away from it. I'm just letting you know. Uh, okay. So what was the timeline between those two? Didn't the Vic contract happen like five years prior, maybe even more? I want to say about 2011-ish sounds about right. Yeah, so about maybe 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 six. Yeah, maybe six seven five, years. Call it five. Before. Call it five. Yeah. Okay. So five years of societal change and impact. Let's go first and foremost, um, and then uh, let's talk about how like I you're grouping those two and comparing them, but Colin Kaepernick's particular um, position was so different and viewed so differently by the world and the news and the media happening in particular in that Trump uprise with such the heightened hostility in between the lines of Americans and football fans, quite frankly, like just keeping it in-house, right? You have, All of a sudden, the president is telling you, if you kneel during the anthem, like you're anti-America. What? <laughs> So and the NFL was... didn't defend their player in that situation. To be fair, the NFL so, did not defend Kaepernick. 
They did not, and they did not. Um, they did not maintain their own particular views on the rules because there was no rule at that time, right? Like so, so as a private corporation, not a nonprofit, as a private corporation, like they have their own rules and regulations and things that players need to abide by. And so, as long as he is acting within the guidelines of the league and his team then like there should be some backing in particular from the players association in my opinion yeah. the league had an opportunity but the league is not responsible for the players and they kind of make that um, make that clear for better or worse there's not like they work with players they're not responsible for players which kind of goes back to Michael Vick in a different way you bring up Michael Vick um, but he's a he's a second chance guy, and so however you want to perceive him as a person, the league has had a lot of volatile characters, as does most sports uh, and and Hollywood places of fame have a vast amount of you know very different people involved and some of them are uh not uh, some of them are violent people in hollywood in other sports in the nfl some of them end up doing things like having dog fights um and then some places it allow that person to like have a second chance and people can have whatever feelings they want about it but there's nothing that says that this person can't go back to work after they, you know, serve the time. Now, it's what frustrates me about that question, um, and it's a good question, quite frankly, but what frustrates me is that it demonizes Michael Vick in a way that, for my own um, version of, like, you know, looking at the bad pieces of shit that have been let back into the league on teams like there's so many versions of domestic violence that have come up with pink yeah. players uh, that is so unfortunate and then those people end up on other teams and like I'm not saying that somebody can't learn and grow uh, and like move past that and do their penance as it were and maybe try and work on being a better person from there on and, and I do believe that with the amount of money involved in sports, the leagues want to take that seriously and then also invest in who they believe is going to continue to give them a return on their interest. So providing that type of mental support and counseling, etc. Like they have programs for variations of really poor behavior, which kind of makes uh, a, a bit of like, uh, well, what are you guys doing? going back to Colin Kaepernick, right? Like, well, how come it's okay for these people to have second chances with things that we as, like, regular human beings can judge as, you know, you do these types of things, we feel like you're just a bad person. Like, ultimately, Bales, you feel like Michael Vick is a bad person because he did dogfighting. And that's just uh, something that you feel and you don't know whether he's changed or not. Um, and how he actually feels about it, but you don't like that shit and think he's a piece of shit for it. And I respect that, but I like you know disagree. 
I feel like he did some evil shit, and I'm sure that people are I mean, gonna did not he, be okay. Did he like go to prison afterwards? Yeah, yeah I, I, this is the one thing. Yeah. This is the one thing. Okay. Michael Vick, unlike a lot of other pieces of shit that have been allowed to stay in the NFL, Michael Vick actually did do time. Uh, okay. Now, I think he got a pretty light sentence for what he did because it's more than just he did dog He fighting. did I mean, his time. No, let's not go down that rabbit hole with any detail, okay, please. The, the, the okay. point is that you feel, you feel a way about him as a person based on that, and that's okay, and, I, and it's logical and reasonable, but he, to me, like that is a, a separate dealing and a separate category than how the, the league decided to deal with Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick, they straight up looked around and were like, we don't want any part of that media. And they did him dirty because mm -hmm. he became such a polarizing figure. Um, and it, it, was them, it was them going, nope, we don't want to be a part of this media any longer. And the league just straight up did him dirty. He also... Yeah. The league was doing Trump's business for him, to be fair. He also signed an NDA uh, agreement with the league and got paid $20 million as basically an apology by way of money uh, instead of apologizing. And that sounds like some corporate bullshit. That, all that to say, and I'll even add, the lamest thing that the NFL does is make so much money off of that halftime show and not pay whatever artist they get booked for it. That is the lamest bullshit oh, yeah. ever, especially with how much money they reel in on commercial times. It's like several million dollars per second. I mean, pay your artist who, who, who makes your Super Bowl. People Hell like yeah. watch this specifically for the commercials and the halftime show. People are paying you to do the commercials. Pay your artist to do the halftime show. Uh, that, that. that being said, right, like, it's going to be dope to see the football players getting to play football and the coaches get to coach and fuck the billionaires, burn the patriarchy. <laughs> burn it so, all down! There's a million things that I could, I mean, believe me, there's a lot of different sort of like subsets of issues mm -hmm. within the NFL and football fandom. One of the things that really stands out to me is... My issue is not so much with football as a game. There are elements of football culture that I find particularly toxic. But for me, the biggest issue is the NFL as an entity. Uh, because uh -huh. for me, what you really saw when the Kaepernick stuff started up was you saw Trump come out there and swing for political points and do all his race baiting and all his, you know, you know, get that son of a bitch off the field type of stuff. The NFL not only didn't defend their player, they pretty much got into the business of doing propaganda on the ha on behalf of the Trump campaign by not standing up. Uh, and there's a contrast to that, which is if you look at the NBA, and when the whole, hey, LeBron, shut up and dribble thing came up and how the league came out and backed their player and all the players got in that top down. So there was some solidarity there in the NBA that you definitely do not see in the NFL. Bales, that's such a great point. But, like, unfortunately, I just don't have high hopes for, for the particular, like, organizations, right? I don't think about the billionaires that you're talking about in this scenario. I think about the millionaires who are the peers of 
the Colin Kaepernick's and the LeBron James and the peers of LeBron James and how they responded versus how the Players Association, like, I mean, Kaepernick got some support from around the, the league, some, but nobody else was law, like, there, there wasn't a, a, a line drawn in the sand in the way that, like, some NBA players, when when uh, when that Clippers, uh, when the old Clippers um, owner... Donald Sterling. When Sterling lost, uh, lost his fucking mind and, and it went public right during the playoffs, like, you heard the players talk, have a conversation. Are we going to play this game? Or are we going to stop the uh, commerce coming in for that? Like that is a line drawn in the sand in a way that you didn't see the happen in the NFL, and everything was high stakes and divisive as soon as Trump got involved into it, and yeah. it, that continues to be the case. There is nobody that is more like stirring in terms of it is black and white. You're either with us or against us, and he just decided to make that one of his fucking points and. The NFL looked at that and went, nope, we're not fucking with that. I actually disagree with you on that. I think the NFL embraced Trump's agenda. And I'm not going to ask you to defend this point because this is my point. But uh, for me, the NFL showed their true colors when it came to the whole Trump Kaepernick thing and really acted as a weaponized institution of white supremacy and billionaire culture. That's my take on it. But I just, when I saw the NFL with all their, you know, military flyovers and their rah-rah, you know, military propaganda combined with not standing up to Trump and essentially doing Trump's bidding, that's when I was out. I'm like, you guys can actually set boundaries here and stand up for yourself. I hate to tell you this. The NFL is bigger than The Apprentice, okay? And at that point, Trump was a candidate and you could have shut that shit down, but they didn't. They embraced it. Uh, and it's just really disappointing to me that the league had such a lack of integrity to stand up for its own players and to stand up for people who say, no, we want sports to be a place without politics. You know, because by punishing Kaepernick, you're making a political statement. By not getting involved, how they did Kaepernick was wrong. By not getting involved yeah. in the rest of it and maintaining, uh, they've been doing military flyovers since you were a, a kid going to. Football that doesn't games. make it a good thing. You oh, but but it has been. They have been a supportive of the military in a way that appeals to middle America forever. So I just I, I hear you and I I just disagree. They are a corporation that decide, that looked at that and went, oh, no money in getting involved in that shit. And they decided, unfortunately, that... But they don't do the politics part. They do... Uh, everybody does the politics part. It all oh, ends no, up being... Military flyovers politics. are but, a political but, but, statement. But, but, they but are. by them, by them, that shit was a business decision. Uh, and they were just like, no, we want no part of going against Trump. Because at that point, they would... Everything was about everything he touched became the biggest bullshit fucking topic, except apparently women, because we don't treat that with enough gusto in this country and respect in this country. <laughs> apparently we can yeah, but for assholes uh, that we want to be president, but it, 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 I, I, I hear you, John. 
I hear you, Bales. I just don't think the NFL, like, I'm not a supporter of the NFL in the context that I think that it, they are some thing to follow and worship, but it's a business and people uh, who play there in that business, people who work for that business, I like them. And the thing that that business does, I enjoy. So I'll support the players and go Niners. <laughs> Would you agree with me that for many people, uh, we talked about sort of like, you know, sports uh, being a bit of horror for society where, you know, you it's okay if your guy does it, but not the other guy, right? So there's a certain degree of mental gymnastics that goes into being a football fan for some people. So I, for me, the mental gymnastics got to be too much. Uh, now, I'm going to give you an example, okay? And this is, I'm not going to say their name on the show, but I have a friend uh, who grew up in the Bay Area, diehard Niners fan, about 10 years ago, moved out to Michigan, right around the time that Jim Harbaugh left the 49ers to go be the head coach at University of Michigan. So this person has had Harbaugh in their football lives for a very long amount of time. They're big Harbaugh fans. Stan, just for you. Uh, so Jim Harbaugh, former coach of the 49ers, uh, left the 49ers in circumstances that I did not care for, uh, but went to take the head coaching job at University of Michigan, which was his alma mater. They just won the National College Football Championship, and now he's okay. leaving University of Michigan to go back to the NFL, and he's going to coach the Chargers. Uh, Good for him. Now, yeah, well, the thing about uh, Jim Harbaugh is he has Can I just used... interrupt for a second? Every time yeah. you say Harbaugh, I, I think of that sketch from SNL going, you're watching Harbaugh. Go ahead. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. So, so Jim Harbaugh is using his profile right now as this, you know, high-profile college football coach. He's now speaking at all these big anti-abortion rallies. Uh, he's using his platform Ooh. for that. Yeah. Oh, well. And so, and so the reason I'm mentioning my friend here is my friend is very progressive, very liberal, also loves football, okay? And... She was very excited that Harbaugh was going back to NFL, happy for him. I'm like, you know that he's the guy who does these speaking engagements at this cause that you find abhorrent, right? And this is an example of the mental gymnastics that fans do. She says, oh, he's not anti-abortion. He's pro-life. I can't do those mental gymnastics. At that point, you've you've done so much spin to convince yourself that these things are okay because it's easier to, to trick yourself into saying, okay, I can live with this, I can live with this, I can live with this because football. Uh, whereas for me, walking away from football be, was the best. I don't have to think about you know, that stuff anymore. Here's the thing. Bales, here's the there thing. are people. No, I want to make a point. I want to make a point, goddammit. Because, like, it's not just football that... We do that. I mean, like Mel Gibson. Look at fucking Fuck Mel Gibson. Look at look at fucking Woody Allen. Like it's Preach. all it, you know. Like what it comes down to is, are they, like, are they still worth it? That's what it comes down to. Like if if not Michael Vick, yeah, not to you, but to enough of America. You know what I mean? Like if Michael Vick says he's sorry and oopsie doodle but he's a good enough football player of course they're gonna let him back you know Ka kaepernick has too much heat capitalism it's capitalism that's all it is 
There's there's innate racism in capitalism, and that's yeah. what happened with Colin yeah. Kaepernick. I I don't disagree with that. The point that I make that I'm making, and I get where you're at, right? But mm-hmm. there are too many people who find reasons to not have conversations anymore instead of just watching football and talking about the fucking game. Because okay? <laughs> where else am I going to talk to some of these assholes? We're not going to have a political conversation that either of us walk away joy-filled from. But mm-hmm. we can like football together. Go next. You can... You can admire the athleticism and the technique of the sport and separate i mean like i you know i don't i don't care about football but like there's a lot of political drama around it blah 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 i i think what it ultimately comes down to is just like yeah are are they worth it still in this society and that's that's the shitty part of capitalism like yeah we should absolutely cancel these guys like i don't i don't want a fucking wife beater on in in you know a national league but guess what half of them do it <laughs> are they half, still worth yeah. it not half you not know. half you not half guys. that's a generalization i apologize yeah. but, but like I mean, you, know. you know what i mean like if if they're good enough if they're talented enough as a football player you can get away with murder like i mean look at oh, oj let's come on that's that's what it ultimately comes down to everybody's willing to shed a blind eye to their team or to their people if they're good enough. Uh, Kaepernick was amazing, but he was just turning off too much of middle America, I think. You know? Yeah, but Kaepernick didn't say nothing wrong. I'll, I'll, no, I'll, he didn't it say anything it was, wrong. It wasn't he, his he was fault. Fu- but, it but wasn't Trump his fault. Made, Trump touched that topic and then it became too hot for the league to deal yeah. with. That's he, what he happened. Rallied, the NFL... Yeah. The NFL chose Trump over their own player. Mm-hmm. That's what because they, they, no, they no, because they, they no, they chose to stay out of the conversation. They did exactly. an economic analysis. I completely analysis. disagree with that take. I completely well, it's that completely that is unfortunate. That, that is unfortunate, but we can agree to disagree and move on. It's a yeah. shame that more people can't do that and football is an avenue and for some people to be able to do so. It's, I'd say it's a potential avenue, but, uh, you know, we're at the point where, you know, Taylor Swift can't go to a football game without it being a political conversation. So, which is, absolutely well, but stuff. that's not by the football people. <laughs> it's not by the, it's not, it's by the, true. You wanna, no, it's, the NFL is capitalizing I'm not it on is. her fandom I'm by getting saying. clicks, likes and eyes on the product. They're not politicizing it at all. But everything right now in this country is being politicized. And everything popular, like Taylor Swift and the NFL around Super Bowl time, are being politicized. It's, it's, it it's, has not, it, it's residual impact. Usurped. Yeah. It's, it's, I think, it, I think it, there's it, a dual sword. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But I think there is a no, double-edged no. sword in our society where... You got you've got politics usurping, uh, you know, sports for a platform, but you also have gamification of politics as well, right? Like yes. everybody's yes. everybody's Absolutely. cheering, 100%. you know, like there's there's this weird overlap that's just crumbling our society. There's yep. no reason why we need to have two years of a political season. 
right? Most countries right. have a political season. It takes less than a month, and that's the season. There's no reason why we need to start talking about, like, who's going to be the nominee the day after somebody gets elected president. The two-party system makes Americans uniquely stupid. Mm-hmm. We, we, need, we need a better system, and we need the popular vote to pick. Yeah, we need to separate out this gamification mentality and just go have sports be sports and have politics be politics and stop and stop overlapping and stop covering politics like it's sports. Exactly. In a lot of countries, you can't go to people and say, hey, if you do this thing and then i'll donate to your political campaign like that that that's called a crime in a lot of countries yeah in this country it's it's like what people just fucking embrace along the way like it's it's wild um stan you made a great point let's end the football discussion right there on that double-edged sword and uh eat the rich (laughs) yeah yeah fucking rich why not i'm hungry (laughs) Barbecue sauce. (laughs) All right. When we come back, uh, we are going to have a very spirited round of did you get the thing I sent you? (laughs) All right, Stan, how much do you love your coffee? I love my coffee so much, Bailey. If it were legal, I would marry it in several states. Well, whether you're committing polygamy across state lines or just having a delicious cup of coffee, discover the rich taste of tradition with Henry's House of Coffee, a San Francisco-based family business since 1965 with over three generations of family. They roast dark, smooth, never-bitter coffee. Visit henryshouseofcoffee.com or download the Henry's House of Coffee app and use promo code WEIRDO, that's W-E-I-R-D-O, for a 15% discount on your next order. Our friends at Henry's House of Coffee are offering this discount exclusively to listeners of this show. Experience the legacy in every cup with Henry's House of Coffee. And welcome back to the show. Uh, it's time for one of our favorite segments. It's Did You Get the Thing I Sent You? Did you get that thing I sent you? Did you get that thing I sent you? Get that thing I sent you? All right, so uh, this week... It's Thomas's turn for good to get the thing I sent you. Thomas, do you want to tell the listeners everything that you, uh, what you sent us? I asked you weirdos to join me in a journey in the midst of being naked and afraid. That's right. Phrasing. We watched. Nope, nope. I okay, said what fine. I said. You keep. You keep asking me about <laughs> phrasing, and I, I chose my words specifically. Um, I, I prefer clothed and comfortable uh, myself, a, but... Continued. There is a fun uh, reality series called Naked and Afraid, where they get two survivalists together to go out into uh, extreme environments and survive off of the land and for 21 days and they're allowed to bring you know generally they get a pot so they can boil water and each of them gets to select one item 
So sometimes people will bring a fire starter or a bow or a net or, you know, something else, a hatchet, something that depends on where they're going, who they are, what their skill set is, etc. Um, and we watched an episode in season 10 called Stomping Grounds that featured two uh, particular survivalists who had been on the show before a couple different times. They also do like, uh, you know, extra, they have a different type of show, like a secondary show, a spinoff called XL, where they have people who are proven on the show uh, go try and survive in the wilderness under those same conditions for longer periods, like 60 days which is just absolutely insane to me. And I thoroughly enjoy the survival. Like, I, I watch it, and the naked part kind of doesn't come up, aside from the fact where you're like, why are you not making feet, like, shoes a priority? Why are you not covering your feet sooner? <laughs> like, that's how... that's That, that, that to me, is where it goes. So... Um, I picked an episode that had some, like, that I felt like was uh, heightened and <laughs> exciting. And there was these two veterans coming back, and each of them was paired up with a gal uh, survivalist who didn't have as much experience as either of them. Um, but both of them were survivalists in their own right. And joining the naked and afraid family as it were <laughs> so it is a weird survival show where people are given you know the bare minimum ah 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 oh. and expected to make the best of it i don't know it. if you could hear my eye roll but <laughs> oh loud and clear stan how'd you guys like it well i have one question sorry I just have one question, Thomas. Okay. Who hurt you? Because seriously, what the fuck is this show about? <laughs> At a fundamental level, it's super interesting to see these people who come in with the with different levels uh, of skills and different mindsets and different expectations and readiness there's people who come from cold environments and go to these hot tropical places and they're like, I prepared for everything except this heat <laughs> and vice versa. What? And like, there's just these parts that are ridiculous. And some of these folks are so used to being alone that they get thrown into an environment with one other person and the dynamic is just wild and wacky for them. You would think most of the time it's a guy and a gal being right. paired up. Um, and, and you would think that, that would you get know, really creepy. innately it might be, right, but it ends up being about survival so quick and so often. It's a survivalist show. And, but, but personalities absolutely play a part. And you can't necessarily tell me ahead of time what your personality is when you haven't had food or shelter for the last five days and you've just been stuck with me, right? Like, how are you at that point? You have a thought, and some people might have experience getting to that level, getting to that place, but most people just have 
you know, oh, I know who I am. I'm this. And when tragedy strikes, this is how I behave. Okay, how about no food or water or shelter working out and you've been afraid of the venomous snakes and monkeys? <laughs> what? Like, but there's like no reward or anything, the, right? They just they just do it. Yeah, why do people agree glory, to be on this? Stan. Bales, glory. glory. It is a rite of passage, as it were. They want to test themselves under these conditions. And I am so excited <laughs> for them. And I am so excited to watch them. And it is so entertaining to see them do these things that I have zero interest <laughs> in doing. But love to watch there is no way you're gonna find me we watch these people be in the the, the boons of africa like i'm not trying to be in like absolutely nowheresville surrounded by lions and monkeys i'm cool that's not for me however since you recorded it i would love to watch since you happen to be there yeah. recording people. <laughs> so this is my thing, because I had never seen Naked and Afraid before. This was my introduction to it. My only knowledge of Naked and Afraid prior to this, and I'm dating myself, I knew it as a ridiculous reality show that Joel McHale used to make fun of on The Soup. Uh, <laughs> by the way, by the way, yep. I don't know how. Yep. That was yep. season 10 of Naked and Afraid. Apparently there are 16 seasons of Naked right? and Afraid, which this is the... Th and that is just of that version. Oh my God. There's also the XLs, which are a totally different thing. Right. So yeah, this is the thing wild. I... They did one season where they did a season of Naked and Afraid of Love, <laughs> and that is unwatchable. Oh no. Oh no, that sounds so like they're... Flavor of Love with a survivalist aspect that no one needs. Yep. Oh wow. Okay, so help yeah, me. And they are they are not survivalists. <laughs> but the the people on the 16 seasons, that's survivalists like trying to get out there and prove themselves. Okay. So let me ask you a couple of questions because as I said, I had never seen it before. So I'm curious. The people who were the new contestants in this episode were fans of the show who were coming on to sort of compete with veteran alongside veterans of the show. Uh, to survive, right? So my question is, who is the audience for this show, and why is it you? Okay, well, first off, I'm going to go ahead and take that positively <laughs> and as a compliment. So, take it in what sense thou wilt. First and foremost. <laughs> um, secondly, like, survivalists and reality show junkies it's a nice little cross pass there um for me like i i spent a, a a lot of the summers when i was a kid going into the mountains and learning some uh skills that you might need if you get lost in the mountains because that's what you do when you have a child up in the yeah. mountains right you tell them you know if the shit hits the fan this is how you might be able to find your way home. If you find, if you see a bear, this is what you're up to. Like, you gotta learn to be able to take care of yourself. If you know, and and, and oh, if you hear this sound, that means rattlesnake. 
don't step <laughs> on it. Like, you continue to learn that stuff. And I just happened to watch, I want to say it's on the Discovery Channel. Like, I, I think it was on the Discovery <laughs> Channel at first. But, but I just happened upon the show, and it's so entertaining to me to see these people get put into, like, the swamps of Louisiana, and they're supposed to survive this freaking bayou for 21 days with the knife and the <laughs> fire starter they brought. Like, all right, let's see it. <laughs> and some of the people are hilarious to watch. Some of them are like, whatever, you see it, and it, it's forgettable. But, like, some of the contestants, including the couple of dudes who are super weird that we watched, like, we, we saw this guy who... Uh, Gary, whose whole mindset, he's got a tattoo on his back that says consume as little oh, as possible. Oh, that pissed me and the fuck savvies. off, by the way. I was just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's a little performative of a he tattoo. Savvies him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't disagree with that, but, you know, in the context of that is his life and lifestyle, like, that's his also became his branding, so kudos to, to Gary for being able to brand himself in a survivalist niche, right? Like, in a survival in a survival setting, you have to be able to have good teamwork and multi, like, a multitude of skill sets going on at once. Like, y'all, part of it was watching the elephants being there like elephants are really cool animals also extremely dangerous oh like, they will fuck you up <laughs> baboons super cool very dangerous right like three inch teeth you know, I, I, I did think there was sort of an interesting, unintentional, uh, allegorical element of this particular episode with the uh, giant, super aggressive elephant that produces 40 times more testosterone than any other living creature, uh, threatening the individuals who just want to be naked and survive. Uh, interpret that elephant imagery however you want, but I think there's a pretty interesting <laughs> uh, allegory there. Um, one of the things yeah. uh, that I wanted to ask you is, uh, so you picked this for your Did You Get Your Thing I Sent You. Why did you want us to watch this show, and in particularly this particular episode? I think that it is so obscure and and fun to watch, even if you don't want to get into it. I think both of I figured both of you could have a good time seeing these absolute weirdos <laughs> out in nature excitedly for glory for the Dude, glory I so bad for that one chick that's all i could do is like why are uh, you doing this to yourself why I mean, for me for me it was a survivalist effort just to get through the episode that was enough of a survivalist <laughs> effort for me it's not my thing but um also all this is the thing you didn't like it the other thing I couldn't I couldn't stop thinking about is just like the camera crew, like right there, yes. with all these naked people just going like, "Yeah, I'm gonna suck," <laughs> and drinking off a canteen or something. Totally. Yep. Yep. <laughs> they have a base camp set up somewhere. They don't stay nope. there at night. They just uh, have cameras set up at the contestants' 
camp, uh, camp and eat, all of the contestants get their own cameras. Um, and, but they go back to a base camp. But what the very first episode of that series, uh, the producer uh, on the show doing some ahead of the episode scouting got bitten by a fleur de lance snake and had like crazy damage to his foot which was wild they had to ask the very first like uh uh contestants like hey this just happened like we totally understand if you don't want to do this anymore we just want to let you know and give you the opportunity to pull out and they still did it and got rained on and whatnot. So the episode that that we watched had some new people and some experienced people, and there were four different attitudes about surviving and each other going on out in the middle of South Africa, and it was a it it was a, a it was a fun example of. There being some really wild and eccentric people that deserve respect for some weird shit. Okay, so this is the thing that threw me. Is speaking of like producers and camera crews and things like that. When um, when Blair says, "I would like to leave," it's like you mean you can leave this show at any time, and they'll throw your naked ass in the back of an SUV and drive you to safety and comfort. Why? Why would you not say I'm out first night? I mean. I don't understand the concept of glory that goes with this. To me, this show, honestly, is like torture porn. Like, I just, I do not get it. Bro, no, no, no. It's okay. You're, you're just not built like that. Thank you're, God. You want to get home. You want to get home. You're not going to go out camping. I mean, right? look. And this is not for somebody... That that show is not for the casual camper person, no, right? Not. Like in terms of the con- I, contestants that they get, they're not getting people who would prefer glamping over using a tent. They're getting people who are just like, I want to appreciate what I have through the avenue of taking that all away and surviving from there. So I I can appreciate it vicariously. I can appreciate my life more because I am not trying to build a boma to protect <laughs> myself from the lions in the South African night. I mean, I... And you have to build it real thick because they can jump six <laughs> feet. And the hyenas will bite your leg off if you don't build that thing thick enough. I know skills that I will never <laughs> I use from Army Mother through the through the eyes of these glorified folk. They they all feel bonded, and I I appreciate that, and good for them for that. I'm happy they have that. One thing that I thought was interesting from a TV production perspective, because again, I'm new to this, but. You know, there were like shots where at this in this particular episode, there's like where they're crossing the river and there's all the crocodiles that are right there. And that's like imminent danger because you see that's really there. But there are times where they're also clearly bringing in like stock footage, you know, of animals in the wild that may not necessarily be right there just to give the ambiance of a greater threat. Um, is that something they, they typically do like throughout the life cycle of the show or uh, tell me more about that? 
the the production that you all saw is the production that makes the show what it is. Uh, they just cut together the moments really well and use footage of animals from either B-roll that they captured or from the wildlife um, cameras that they set up around the area of camp, right? Like they just, you can just post a GoPro with a motion Mm -hmm. sensor and get some footage. So in the same way that they get survivalists who take note that this is where the animals travel because they can read the ground that way. They also have like survivalists as a part of the production crew and make sure when they go to these wild places, they get a guide that knows that specific terrain and area. Um, And then they also use like the music that they decide to cut into the production does a really good job of, um, of dictating what your heartbeat is supposed to be in that moment. So like there's an elephant there's an elephant that's in heat and he's the most aggressive animal on the planet, right? Like, and Gary's 25 feet away from him just trying to keep his breath straight with a cameraman who's also needing to follow his lead, right? But get the shot. It's wild. It's fun. I don't know. But I also watch things in that way with you that you guys do, where you're also appreciating the production value that goes into something and like how you might have captured. Like, I dig how they produce that show. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you knew this going in before you picked this particular episode, but you know that I really hate snakes, right? Like, I really hate snakes. I'm very much like Indy Jones in that respect. Um, so when the snake scene came yeah, out, oof, oof, that was not for Carl Carlson, let me tell you. Oof. I understand, and I'm with you. I grew up watching Indiana Jones way too much and way too early. So I've, I've definitely, uh, snakes. I hate snakes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you, dude. Oh, man. Can't stand them. Can't stand them. But... In a general sense, then the uh, survivalists win and eat the snake. So I don't know that you yeah. call eating snake a win, <laughs> but they conquered the snake. When when you haven't eaten anything in days, <laughs> right? Fair. That's fair. Let's talk. Let's talk about it. Yeah. I also do not want to nope. eat snake, but I also don't want to be in that no. situation. Which is why I enjoy watching people. Who, who volunteer do. to be in that situation. That's what blows my mind. Like, they sign up for this shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they're, boggles they're, my mind. They, 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 they get they selected. Get, yeah. Right? They have to go through a vetting right. process. There are people that get rejected So they submit, like, hey, I would really... <laughs> right. The, the people who... There, there are people who get rejection letters <laughs> from naked and afraid. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Sorry, you're just not naked enough. No. Right. <laughs> They're not taking fucking city folk uh, who have never been without their iPhones and dropping them into Ecuador and going, good luck, give me your clothes. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't that blonde chick on the, sh- on the episode, like, a lawyer? Yeah. Like. Yes, but she still had to go oh, through, they again, do have a, okay. a vetting process. Right. So a lot of people aren't necessarily survivalists by trade, but they are survivalists by okay. hobby. Okay. Here's here's my fun question for you, Thomas. 
most reality shows that run for a decent amount of time, you know, they do their various spinoffs. Like there's a Naked and Afraid XL, or we talked about Naked and Afraid of Love or whatever. Um, when are they going to do Celebrity Naked and Afraid? And what celebrity do you want to see on the show? That is an awesome question. I feel like the real the real answer is that they will never do a celebrity naked and afraid because uh, what does the celebrities have to gain? Glory, uh, but glory, Thomas, glory. Let's let's <laughs> let's, let's go ahead. Whoops, well, uh, let's go ahead and assume that it does happen, which would be a blast. Uh, first and foremost, I absolutely want to see Dennis Rodman. Nice. Nice. <laughs> He'd get his hair done in like some kind of jungle camouflage so they could hide better. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel like dropping him into a hostile environment with somebody who knows a lot more about that uh, could be good. You would need to pick somebody who uh, really has offers the skill sets up. Uh, and I think that the partner, because you said two people, and usually it's a guy and a gal. I can't do that for this one, unfortunately. I need Dennis Rodman to go uh, do an episode of Celebrity Naked and Afraid with Bear Grylls. <laughs> there you go. I can see that. I guess he'd that. be great on that. All show. right, they could see. They could succeed. <laughs> it's worth watching. Stan, do you have a celebrity you'd like to see go through the Naked and Afraid experience? Well, I feel like if I'm going with somebody that I would think would actually sign up, my first thought is like Ted Nugent, right? Like that motherfucker oh, would God. totally be like, yeah. No way. Doesn't Only if like I can watch him get bit by a snake. <laughs> right? Like, doesn't he, like, shoot a bow and arrow? Like, I would think he would think he could survive on that show, right? He's like, a cosplay like, survivalist for sure. Exactly. Yeah, he's like, a, he I seems like that. a he I seems like a doomsday prepper. Um, That's an but, excellent call. <laughs> but if I would want to like, like, who I would want to see would be probably somebody like Jason Bateman. You know, like just somebody who is completely out of water and just like <laughs> winking to the camera the whole time, being like, "I think my pot just turned over. Do you guys have any water?" like somebody who is just a complete fish out of water in that scenario would be amazing how how many days does bait does jason bateman make it two on the 21 days if that if that (laughs) like Uh, he's he's just gonna be like "Eh, it's just it's really hot guys i just i think i'm good i think i'm good i think i'm good (laughs) he could make it up to five days if he got a cameo from will arnett there you go. Like, Will yeah. just shows up. Like, they would just be comparing dick sizes the whole time. That, who doesn't want to Who doesn't want to see that episode, guys? All right. So for me, um, it, here's, again, this was not 
my cup of tea. This is not the kind of show that I normally watch. So if I'm going to watch a celebrity be on this show, I love Stan Steak of the Fish Out of Water. But for me, uh, if I'm going to take it seriously, I want to see someone who's kind of a big, dumb redneck or who at least portrays themselves as a big, dumb redneck. Uh, so, Thomas, I'm going to actually stay in your lane here. Uh, I'm going to actually also pick uh, an NBA Hall of Famer. I'm going to go with Carl Malone. I want to watch Carl Malone on yeah. Naked and Afraid. And if Carl Malone happens to get attacked by yeah. a lion, I'm not going to be mad about it. <laughs> what is it about? My money would be on Carl Malone. Are you kidding? What is it about basketball players that make them survivalists in your guys' minds? Well, well, Carl Malone's a big, dumb redneck. Or at least cosplays as one. So that's that's my reasoning for it. I, I think it'd be great, but because Carl Malone to this day is a tank, and he has always been like a get-or-done dude himself. <laughs> and he is not shy about speaking what's on his mind. So that being said, who's his partner, Bales? Oh, I don't know. Whatever survivalist, they, they, there's a. I'm sure there's a whole pool of survivalists that are available in the Naked and Afraid catalog. Like you just no no no, open... no 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 celebrity. Oh, I who you send it with them. Well, I, see the idea that I thought the idea was you have a, a, somebody with a survivalist to do it. If you want me to just pick someone random to be like fair enough, yeah, fair enough, yeah. Who do you want to see? A, a skills presumed. Mm-hmm. Who would the who would the celebrity be? <laughs> you know, ah. Uh, I, I could make a really bad joke about sort of Carl Malone's um, scandalous exploits, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bite my tongue on that one. Um, you know what? I'll throw him out there with John Stockton. Just see what happens. <laughs> Wouldn't even be hungry, and he'd eat John Stockton. That's true. That's how that would. <laughs> That's true. I, I can't rule that out. I can't rule that out. All right. Um, He'd just be like, you know what? Fuck it. This is good TV. <laughs> All right. On that note, uh, Thomas, since you, you you brought Naked and Afraid into our respective worlds here, uh, and any closing thoughts uh, on Naked and Afraid you want to share with us? Did y'all have fun watching it? I will say I had more fun watching it than Tim did. I think Tim was... <laughs> My husband was just really confused by the whole thing and just screaming the whole time. You know they could just go camping, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I did not subject Fair. Yep. Yep. I did not subject my wife to viewing that episode. Um, as I said, it was not my thing. She wouldn't have agreed. Yeah, she she's smarter than me. <laughs> she's smart enough to not get entangled in this. Um, so no, for me, uh I it was not my thing, uh, but I you're you're my boy, so I watched it for you. I've now experienced naked and afraid. I never have to experience it again. Uh, I can say that I've done it. You know, it's like hey, you, you'll you'll try anything once, right? Giggity, <laughs> you'll try anything once. Anybody out there who's good at clipping and misinterpreting what Bale said on a podcast, please go ahead and take that last like thirty seconds, chop that stuff up. And just sprinkle a whole bunch of, that's what she said, along the way. Thank you. I'm like a walking setup for that's what she said. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. 
on that note, um, we're going to call it a week. Uh, thanks, you guys. And we'll be, uh, we'll be back next week uh, with more. Sponsored uh, by Toad. Never <laughs> <in the state laughs> you weirdo. <laughs>